Welcome to Heartspeak Podcast, episode 218, Sparkling Third Eye. Welcome to the Heartspeak Podcast, where valuable insights are shared that bypass the mind and resonate with the heart. Listen, open your heart, become inspired, find the joy and fulfillment that awaits when you follow your heart. And now, here's your host. Dr. Christine Page. Well, hello there, wherever you are in the world, you are welcome. It's always good to be with you. I hope you're having a good week. Today, I really wanted to focus on the third eye and what is the third eye and how does it differ from our solar plexus and our psychic sensitivity in our solar plexus. It feels to me that more and more people are asking me about their third eyes. How do I open my third eye? Can I see through it? And I want to say right up front, everybody has a third eye, and what I see is everybody's third eye is open to varying degrees. It's really a question of how we use it and what's its purpose in our spiritual development, our spiritual lives. So we're going to come back to that. But before we go there, let's just talk about what's going on in the sky, and it is in the sky that things are happening. Now, you may know that there was a meteor that went across southern Ontario. Everybody saw it, heard a bang. Other people have seen the sheep that walked round and round in circles for days on end. Other people have noticed there have been increased earthquakes, often in strange places, places that wouldn't have necessarily been associated with earthquakes in the past. There have unfortunately been some very tragic earthquakes happening around the world as well, where lives have been lost. And we have volcanoes erupting. Mauna Loa on the big island of Hawaii has been asleep for almost 40 years and suddenly woke up. It's always called the sleeping dragon. And Mauna Loa is now erupting and the lava is falling and, and unfortunately again destroying some people's homes. But you know, Hawaii is used to this because Hawaii sits on what's called a hot spot of the earth, just as Iceland does as well. And when I visited Iceland, I couldn't believe that, you know, thousands of years ago, if not millions of years ago, it didn't exist. There was no such country as Iceland or island as Iceland because it literally was formed from the lava that came from the volcanoes. It's a, it is a volcanic island. And so too are the Hawaiian islands. And when you spend time on these islands, you get this sense of impermanence. You get this sense that the people live with this constant flow of energy. And when there is a volcanic eruption, there is both the loss of life, the transformation of the environment, and the birth of a new island. And so even today, a new island is forming there in Hawaii. And that understanding of living with that transformative energy is very symbolic of how I think we should understand that life is not permanent, that everything is changing. And that what is changing most of all I'm seeing is as if we're breaking apart that belief there's just this one vision for the world or one way for the world. Or if you want to say two ways, this way or that way. But I'm saying, no, there's a third way and a fourth way and a fifth way. And remember, we're living in the dreams of Gaia. And if Gaia has as many dreams as I'm having at the moment, there's a lot of dreams. So, you know, don't allow ourselves to get caught up in one way. If we do get caught up, 
It's because we're putting our energy into a dream of Gaia's that we somehow are triggered by or we bring up old energy about. We've been here before. Let's just keep going on this path. But what I would be saying is if you do get triggered by something, it's allowing us to say, wow, look, here I go again. Or this is giving me an opportunity to break away, to, to switch rooms, to switch off the electricity that's going to that room and move to a different room. So what is it that we are listening to? What is it we are? What's happening? Now, on an astrological level, I'm still going to say Mars is still in Gemini going retrograde and is going to be conjunct the full moon on the 8th of December. And a lot is happening on that 8th of December. I'll be speaking to you again about this next week. But on that 8th of December, there is an occlusion of Mars by the moon on this full moon day. So this is amazing. And Mars just happens to be there as well. So Mars is going to be covered by the moon on this day. And because of that, there's this disruption of that Mars energy, the Mars being about passion. So as the sun sets in the west on the 8th of December, the moon will rise in the east. And at that moment, the moon will also be occluding the Mars, which will also be in the east. Now, I'm telling you all of that because you might jump out there and try and see all of this happening. But that occlusion only happens uh, for a few seconds, so you may miss it. But what people have understood is that when there is a lineup in the sky between Mars, the moon, the sun, and, and obviously the Earth from our perspective, the often sudden things happen. And what I also read at this time was that there is also an occlusion of Uranus, Uranus the rebel, the planet that brings sudden change. And so what we're seeing are these sudden change happenings occurring, probably because the moon again is occluding Uranus on December the 5th. Expect the unexpected. Things are going to happen. And part of what's happening is about Mother Nature. She's saying, okay, I'll go along with what you're doing up to a point. But I'm sensing that as we rob her of her minerals, or we dig deeply into her to create bunkers and cities in the earth, or we tinker around in the sky with our satellites, there's a point where she's saying, enough is enough. And I feel that what we're going to see is a disruption of the energies that we think we're in control of, but truly that's not the truth. And that's good for us to be able to say, actually, we are part of Mother Nature. We are her child. We are not a guardian. We are her child. And we need to behave in a way that honors and respects her, not just by or hugging a tree, if I may say, but actually understanding that some of the things that we are allowing to be done to Mother Nature must stop now. Now, that's what's happening in terms of the sky and what's happening on December the 8th and maybe the 5th as well. And really, we're building up to this energy. But as I wanted to speak about today, I really want to look at the third eye. Now, why do I think that's significant? 
because I feel that the third eye is like a beautiful diamond with many facets and that each of those facets is able to see many different connections to different dimensions. It's almost as if we look through those into a different world, a different dimension, a different frequency. And it isn't so much our ability just to be able to see those worlds. It's our ability to be able to connect to them, to communicate with them. I almost feel that the third eye should be called the third ear <laughs> because it's, it's a communication. It's about understanding that when we work from our third eye, we, there is an instantaneous communication between ourselves and what we're looking at. This is the world of spirit. So as soon as we focus on something, okay, we use our eyes to do that. As soon as we focus on an idea, we're there. So there is no distance. There is no separation between what we're focusing on and ourselves in this place. And to me, that's what the third eye offers us. It's deep connection. And it's a connection that has a telepathic communicative way of being so that when I'm in that deep connection and I can communicate telepathically, which means there is no separation between me and whatever I'm communicating with. And it is the third eye that has the ability to be able to communicate with anybody at any level. Let me just give you a couple of examples. I've noticed that when I'm around babies, especially very small babies, but those who are starting to watch, look around and look at their environment, they focus on my third eye and I focus on theirs. But I'm fascinated that babies seem to not be focusing on my eyes, but my third eye. Now, where's the third eye? We say it's between the other two eyes, but about an inch up. So it's a little higher. And you, you know, you, this is where I would feel it is if you're watching. I can feel my third eye glowing at this time. And that's where I see babies focusing. And so it seems to be that when a baby is able to see the light of someone, and when they're looking at me, they're seeing the light of my third eye, they're, they're communicating with me. There's no barrier. They've not grown old and old enough to be able to say, ah, oh, yeah, but you've got, you know, you've got this color skin or this or this. They're just seeing my pure spirit. And wouldn't that be wonderful if that's all we ever did? To say, ah, I see you. I know who you are. And I understand that that's exactly the same reason why the Maoris touch nose to nose. What I was taught by Rose Perry is that when we touch nose to nose, we're actually touching the third eye as well as the nose. And what she said, it's then when I touch your nose and really touch third eye to third eye, I know who you are. Wouldn't that be wonderful? If we actually understood that it's not just a handshake, it's about, ah, there you are. Now I know who you are. And we're connecting to pure spirit. This is the upper Dantian in terms of Taoist traditions. Place of pure spirit, nothing in its way. And how do we get there? That's 
the question. Well, let's just take a journey back a little bit, because it's very understandable that people often talk about this being our psychic center. But I'm going to say it's our intuitive center. And then you might say, Christine, why are you confusing me? Our psychic center in truth, to my mind, is our solar plexus, just where the ribs separate over our stomach area. We all know it because that's where we cross our arms across when we're getting feeling a bit threatened. Cross our arms and we cross over the solar plexus. And the solar plexus is, in its own sense, a big satellite dish. It's a receiver of information. And it's an ability to receive. It then, in some ways, filters it according to our needs. So that because the solar plexus is connected to our self-confidence, do you like me? Am I okay? The challenge of the solar plexus is that it often reacts very quickly if, as you're picking up this information into your solar plexus, into your satellite dish, you realize this person doesn't like you or they're unhappy. Or, and depending on your level of sensitivity, you immediately say, what am I doing wrong? Or how do I please this person? Or how do I make them happy? And a lot of us are doing that you know, almost spontaneously. So the solar plexus isn't able to say, hang on a minute, you're picking up on this information, but is it anything to do with you? We often say it's like you might smell coffee and you say, smell coffee, drink coffee, smell coffee, drink coffee. <laughs> you know, it's only on our sixth cup of coffee we say, maybe I've had enough coffee. <laughs> the solar plexus doesn't have that sort of brain that understands that maybe it's time to stop. And in the same way, we have a lot of what we call prejudices and biases in our solar plexus. And we are triggered, those biases are triggered to keep us safe. So we carry both our own our own emotional triggers, our ancestral triggers, maybe our past life triggers. And so what I say is if, if someone names that they come from this country and I've had a bad experience with someone from that country, I will immediately trigger a response of fight and flight. Instead of saying, hang on a minute, there's many, there's millions of people in that country. This doesn't mean that I should have that bias about that country based on one person who I had a bad experience with. And maybe I need to work with what bad experience it was with that person. The same thing, you may have an, a name someone you've had a, a bad experience with in the past and someone else says, oh, that's my name, and immediately you go into self-defense. So the solar plexus, unfortunately, is not a great place to try and be open and communicative with. I don't see that as the seat of telepathy. So our ability to draw in that information into our psychic center, our solar plexus, is our ability to be psychic. And then what I say is, our ability to be intuitive is what do we do with that information we've just received. So we take it to our heart and we say, what is the most loving thing I can do with this information? Take it to our third eye, we say, what is the wisest thing I can do with that information? All right. And again, when it comes to love, this is not about, oh, how do I make them happy? How do I please them? The most loving thing we can do is what can I do in an unconditional way to express my love? 
So love means how do I connect this person more fully to themselves? Or how do I not separate them from themselves? So if, for instance, uh, you know, your teenager is going out with uh, somebody who you're not particularly keen on, but you recognize that this is this journey they're going to take with that person is going to connect them more fully to themselves, then keeping quiet about what you think about that person is probably a good idea. <laughs> so when is it best to keep our mouth shut? What is the most loving thing I can do at the moment? And I use the word unconditional because when I'm unconditionally loving, it means I'm not involved. I'm not trying to do the right thing or be a good mother or be a pleaser or shut you, whatever. So there's no conditions on my loving. And I think that's always very important for us to understand. Where am I involved in this? Where's my ego involved? So we take these psychic impressions, take them up to our heart. And we say, what's the most loving thing I can do in this moment? And we take it also to the third eye and we say, what is the wisest thing? And the loving thing is, <laughs> loving experience is what we call the middle dantan, which is about collecting again that energy into a higher level of spirit. It's a, it's a beautiful energy, being in love. But when we take it to that center, that higher, that upper dantan in the third eye, we're really talking about something that's even beyond unconditional love. It's actually a sense of connection that has no emotion to it. And I think this is hard to understand. It is ruled by Aquarius, the sign of Aquarius, and it can appear rather cool and detached. If someone just comes from their third eye, it can feel like, wow, this person is in their head or, or you know, not attached. I don't feel warmth from them. So that's why we talk about the heart and the third eye working together. But pure third eye is not unloving. Because if love is the energy of connection, when we're in our third eye, we are working through the loving energy to connect and to be wise. And that energy is beyond our own personal needs. That's why I say it's just pure spirit. So bringing that energy up to that third eye is a place where we can be quiet and what I was understanding about the these vessels they call the Dantians, uh, the elixirs of life, or elixir fields, fields of elixir, is that the lower Dantian is, is about filling that area, and then the, the middle one is about filling the heart. But actually, the upper Dantian is about being empty. So how do we be empty? And in our very busy mind, it's really, well, okay, how do I do empty? <laughs> so we fill ourselves with ideas of how I'm going to be empty. But emptying our mind is what we need at that third eye. And of course, many of you who may meditate find that place. But I want to be clear, this isn't about dismissing the energy of the body. This isn't about rising out of the body. It's how do we take everything that is within our chakra system, everything within our energy field, and find an emptiness that is full. Now I am making confusing words. In other words, how do I connect to everything and know everything is there without my personal involvement in this? 
And that to me is pure third eye energy, telepathy, where I have nothing to hide because I am everything. And being everything means that you're connecting to everything. You're saying, I am, I am the universe. The universe exists within me. And I can see through that third eye to all that exists. Now, does that mean I'm saying, okay, you're now one with the universe, you don't exist at all? No, because what I'm still talking about is from my higher self, from my higher spirit, what is the wisest thing I can do for Christine? That is important. So the word I also use in the third eye is discernment. Whereas the solar plexus is often linked to judgment. In other words, you know, what do I need to do this or this? The third eye synthesizes all the information, all the possibilities. It's not living in a linear world. It's saying, knowing all this to be true, seeing all of this from many points of view, what is the wisest thing I can do in this moment? And it, it is discernment. So it's saying, out of this place, this is my wisest move. And your wisest move may be action. So it's not about just living on a mountain and thinking thoughts. It may be my discerning thought is to actually take action. The wisest thing I can do at this moment. And I come from a detached place. So detached means I'm detached from my own ego needs. But because of that, I can be stronger, more powerful. And when we work from that place, we are actually drawing into ourselves what I call dragon energy. So many traditions talk about serpent energies or dragon energies. And many traditions talk about energies going down, serpents coming up. And it's the marriage of these two serpents that come up, forming the Shushna, that meet here at the third eye, often symbolized as either two serpents facing each other or the cobra coming over the top of the head. The serpent is seen as that powerful creative energy that is either called dragon energy or serpent energy. All right. So this idea of the cobra, and many of you may have had dreams of a cobra coming over the top of your head. And you're seeing things from that point of view. So when you're seeing from that point of view, now you have the creative energy or the energy of creation coming up from beneath your feet, not just from your base chakra, coming up. Now you've gathered all this energy of creation. Now what you can do is to focus your third eye on what it is you wish to achieve. Use and then use the creative energy to make it happen. And this is what we believe was the way in which they would move large blocks of masonry or large blocks that created wonderful buildings like Saksa Woman or the pyramids or different temples or Stonehenge. They did it through intention. But it wasn't just thinking. It was about clearing the mind, bringing the energy up, and then focusing on what is the most wisest thing I can do in this moment? Where do I want to focus that has power in it, but not my own inner personal needs?
And that's the magician's ability. That is why so many of the pharaohs had the cobra coming over. This is why so many traditions even cover or enhance this area with a jewel or a sign, because this is where am I focusing? So I bring that together and I hope that excites you because for me, my third eye seems like this beautiful multifaceted diamond. Sometimes it's a, a green emerald as well. But I know, and I say I know because that's the energy of the third eye. I know we know how to focus attention, clearing our mind, emptying our mind of all the chatter and using our energy to actually bring about those things that we wish in our life. So when we say something like, I know it's going to happen, it's because we've done this. And many of you have said that. I know it's going to happen. It's like it's already happened because I've seen it and I'm bringing the energy to it. And as Bashar always says, if you're excited by something, it's already happened on the etheric level. All you have to do is manifest it. So how do we empty our mind? My last piece here. You know, the color that associates with the third eye is indigo. And indigo is this purpley blue color, often quite difficult to imagine. But if you go out into a night sky or you look deep into an ocean, that's indigo. And indigo is this wonderful color for relaxing the third eye. I've often found that when someone says, just focus up here, I know that's a form of meditation. But for me, it just shuts down my third eye because I'm focusing so much, I want to get it right. So for me, I look out, I open my eyes. And I open myself to looking out into a night sky. And that relaxes my mind. I empty my mind that way. But I stay in my body. And when I'm working, and many of you have had an experience with me, I say I'd rather not have the camera on if I'm doing Zoom because I actually can see you better when I'm not looking at you. See, for me, my third eye has always been my seeing eye. And I don't ever wear a hat over my third eye. I, I can't see anything. If I cover my third eye now, I can't see anything. If I cover my eyes, I can see everything. And it reminds me of a child who was having great difficulties with dyslexia until the teacher said, why don't you see it from here, third eye? And all of a sudden, the child could read everything on the book. But they couldn't see it when they were trying to see it with their physical eyes. Okay, so I would just practice this and just want to end with saying that for me, the third eye is associated with the pituitary in the hypothalamus. I know some people talk about it be connecting to the pineal or pineal gland. That was really a teaching that suggested that we had an eye at the back of our heads. Maybe we did, but this is not the same that I'm talking about. And I think what's interesting is the pituitary and the hypothalamus sit between what we call on or over the optic chiasma, where the eyes meet. So again, it's this synthesis of information. And that's what makes me know that this is an important part. And what does the pituitary and hypothalamus do? Well, they take in information. They have a constant feedback system. What does she need more hormone of? What's, what's going on here? 
So again, I think the third eye isn't just about sending out an intention. It's also about receiving information as well. So we receive that information, we synthesize it, then we send out. And finally, I will say, I don't think that we will evolve until we work more fully with our third eye in a telepathic way, where we, instead of seeing what is best for me or for you, we see what is best for the community, what is best for the whole, what is best for the future generations. And I know that that's the direction we're going in. We're all wakening up our third eye to saying, I'm ready to be seen, to be known, and to see what is best for all concerned. Until next time. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the HeartSpeak Podcast with Dr. Christine Page. Please check out all HeartSpeak episodes in the podcast archive section on www.christinepage.com. HeartSpeak is also available on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, and now playing on Amazon Music and iHeartRadio. You can also watch the archive podcast on Christine's channel on YouTube and now on Rumble. Connect with Christine on Instagram, LinkedIn, and Facebook, including her newest Facebook group, The Great Mother Calling. Do share with family, friends, colleagues. Join us next time for another edition of Heart Speak.